Welcome to episode four of Modern Game Podcast. Uh, this week, we are going to be talking about league strength and also the amount of leagues that are now in Challenger and starting to think about what happens if any more get added. Uh, I think it's a really great time to talk about this because this weekend we've seen the return of a lot of Challenger leagues. So obviously we've had Russia and Austria for a couple of weeks. This week we've dropped in Eredivisie, Turkey, we've dropped in Portugal, and you know the impact that that's going to have on competition is obviously pretty major. Um, I mean, my challenger team this week was just pretty flat to be honest like i'm i'm in a bit of a state of limbo at the moment where i be honest made a pretty big bet on ito not going to die in france right so my my challenger team is is looking pretty weak although i did roll the dice on uh selimani who started this week and went for 60 without a decisive so my my challenger hopes are starting to look up a little, but yeah, I completely deprioritized challenger this week because one, I was worried about the level of competition, and two, I just didn't think I had the players or the fixtures to really really cut it. I was a bit worried about Grat's rotation. Uh, lo and behold, the boy Wuthrich did get rotated, so yeah. that completely killed the team anyway. So. I deprioritized and I punted on Salimani purely because I'd read in midweek that he'd sort of once again patched up his differences with Quartrike, which seems to be a occurrence that happens every thing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, let's get we'll get into it. Like, I know you are, you know, more active. I've really sort of pivoted into under twenty threes this summer, but you're more active in Challenger. Like, how are you how are you finding it? Because I know we had a chat offline the other day where it was a bit of like oh challenger rewards don't look look too great obviously taking russia out but still having them scored mm. really has had an impact on the amount of prizes total that will be available while, while still leaving in some some pretty big hitting cards so yeah i'd just be interested in your perspective on on the sort of situation that is challenger right now uh, to get started yeah i think it I think it's very. I think it's a very tricky balancing act for so rare this, to be honest. Um, and I think it's going to happen like with. I think it will happen with, every, with everything at some point. You know, we're already seeing with uh, limited tournaments. I think um, McBride put his his champion limited uh, team up on Twitter last night where he was in eighth place with like five hundred points, um, and then the the top of that division is like there's like naught point naught x points in between like first second and third like people just playing the same lineup but just having different xp and captain multipliers and stuff i was gonna say what i saw was crazy about that was um i think there's people winning t2 limited with like 460 points yeah it's just mad yeah it's really mad i remember there was one time i was absolutely raging so i i got like i think it was like 420 points and got a t2 rare where i was like dreaming of a podium so yeah, I dread to think like I mean, if you've gone clear of four hundred points, you're expecting more than a T two. But to get like over four fifty, like that's like near perfect scores. It's yeah. crazy. Like if you think yeah. about the goalkeeper, like goalkeepers are rarely going to get hundred. So you cannot like a perfect score for me is not five fifty because like the goalkeeper or sorry five it would be five twenty, right? Wouldn't it? Because yeah, the, I mean it sort of depends on multipliers you have, but multipliers, yeah, yeah. around but, like. Assuming there are zero multipliers, like the best base score you could get with a captain of 20% bonus would be 520. Correct, yeah. So, like, and that's assuming a goalkeeper gets 100, which is just never going to happen. So then it's like, you know, 460 is like, that is, your team has had like an amazing week. And to be like, oh, I might get a card that's worth less than rare threshold from this is like, that's a kicker. Yeah, it really is. And I, I don't like. I don't feel like that's happened in Challenger now, but yeah, I think I tweeted the end of last week or like the beginning of this game week that like I thought the Challenger prize pool was light. Basically, there was two less star rewards than there were last week when we have like three complete leagues back. So I, I don't understand how that's possible. Um, and then basically in rare there were more prizes, but it was it, essentially it was just a longer tier three tail. So I think I tweeted something being the case of like you know I think we're gonna see some some pretty high scores required having said that like we might not this week because I don't... I <laughs> exactly right because like i don't want to say 
that I've got the best challenger cards, but I'm not. I didn't have a DMP in any of my challenger lineups this week, and I'm not winning a reward in challenger, which feels odd. Like normally, if all my guys play, I'm coming away with at least something, right? Um, just because I have players that average sixty or above, essentially. Um, but yeah, I, I did Captain Stimber. I did Captain Stimber. Yes. So my challenger at rare pro got three hundred and forty points. It is currently still in the prizes, but only by four points. And there's thirty six percent of the game week still have to play in challenger. So. Like and to be honest, I've said we're not going to see need huge scores because Ajax have not done particularly well, and Zenit drew nil nil with Aknat, and Celtic conceded the goal. Um, Zagreb were very heavily rotated. You know, I think a lot has gone against your key. You know, Bruges drew one each. Um, you know, lost their clean sheet as well. Um, Porto lost their clean sheet late. You know? Yeah, right. So uh, you know, although I've said all of this, like Chanji at Red Pro, they're still. There still is like a third of the game week to go, and you're already needing 340 to be in the prizes. So it could well be like 380 is the prize rank here, um, what you need for a T2, and then like 410 or above. I mean, obviously, we'll see basically come the end of today what, what we're looking at. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was somewhere between sort of 360 and 380 for a prize, which I think, you know. Like I say, it isn't the end of the world, but I think it is quite concerning if we continue on this price trajectory that this is on a week where quite a few key big players haven't hit very well. Like, what what does that do to the scores on a week where, like, Ajax have Groningen at home next week? Um, I, you know, I thought they'd get a clean sheet against Sparta and obviously they can see the two goals, but Groningen at home, <clears throat> that is that is very favourable for a clean sheet for them. And Zenit are playing a Moscow team. And yeah, you might think like, and CSGO are on fire, to be fair, but you might think that's difficult for Zenit. But the last time they played a Moscow team, they won 5 0. Um, so, like, you know, I'm not saying that obviously we're going to see unprecedented numbers next week. I don't know what the prize pool will look like. But I do think it is, I do think it is slightly concerning that it already looks like on a, basically a poor week with everyone playing. It looks like you're needing between sort of 360 and 380 to hit a tier two in D3. And then in D4, what am I on? 290. So D4 looks pretty reasonable, actually. So you're still in the prizes at the minute, again, with a third of the game week to play with uh, like 250 points. So yeah, T3s look like they're going to be pretty easily achievable. And then, you know, tier twos are from 130th. So it might be more like 320 for a tier two in D4, which again is, is probably fine. Um, so yeah, I think it is. I think it's an interesting dynamic. I do wonder what they do with the prizes, um, just because I'm not sure how many people stay engaged once all the leagues are back. If this is the if like this is our prize cap in Challenger, like we're getting sixty prizes in Repro, um, because you know scores required are going to be really really hefty. To be honest, yeah, and that's the thing as well. And you think about the difference between Rare Pro and Rare. A lot of people put their best cards in red pro yeah so the fact that like common captain choices like timber didn't hit the high notes this week is going to have a significant impact on score and that's just one team mm. so the fact that there's been this sort of odd scenario where a couple of teams have not performed to the standard you usually expect and they've had like outliers all in the same week and you're still probably looking at close to 400 for a tier two and that's yeah. up to way over 400 next week if if all of these players that you'd expect to hit return or regress to where they'd normally score. Yeah, and I think maybe another reason why Challenge Europe Rare looks like better in comparison is this is like obviously one of the first game weeks we've had without the common keeper, right? And I, you know, I don't, I'm not expecting loads and loads of people to have played common keepers in Challenger Rare, though I think from the survey data graphs, I've seen quite a few more than I expected actually did do it. But what I do expect is that people are consolidating their Challenger teams into All-Star because they maybe now only have one keeper or, you know, they so they're not getting out an All-Star team and the Challenger team. They're just getting out a Challenger team. They're, you know, they're just getting out an All-Star team because um, they want to, you know, be sure to get that, that ETH threshold. So yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if that is Matt also maybe has a uh, like a positive impact on the prize versus entry and like prize versus entry ratio in Challenger at Rare, um, whereas in Challenger at Rare Pro, like that that scenario doesn't apply. Like people that were running Challenger at Rare Pro lineups are still doing it, um, you know, because th there's essentially been no change. But yeah, just looking at like the top of the leaderboards, obviously the Portuguese teams. 
for the most part, did very well. Benfica kept a clean sheet and obviously Porto like scored a bunch of goals. I think they scored three or four in the end. To Remy and Evan they Nielsen. Did right at the end, I think. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they did concede, but like people that have run like lots of the top of the leaderboard is like Odysseus, Otamendi, Grimaldo, and then Taremi. Like that makes up a lot of the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. Um and then there's a few other few other lineups in there. Oh, Roxy got demolished by Odeevsky's red card, actually. He's still on over four hundred points despite the red card though, it seems like. And that's in Challenger. Yeah. Oh, interesting he plays in there. Yeah, he stacks in with Douglas Santos. Yeah. Um, which I think so, makes sense. Here's another like here's the interesting thing that I look at. So if you look at the most selected players this week in Challenger oh, yeah. Europe rare, Morioka flopped, Douglas Santos flopped. Uh, yeah. you know, there's a couple of people here that you know were real hitters. Mignolet conceded, you know, Wendell didn't really hit the heights that you'd normally expect from him. Bergquist, again, pretty floppy score at 41. Malcolm, 59. But yeah. it's only really uh, among the top sort of 20 most selected players, you're only really looking at Rafa of Benfica, Medi Taremi, Grimaldo, Tadic to an extent, but still like 80 is like a low score for him. Um, well, also, only 40 managers played Tadic, yeah. Yeah. What's he got? Like 160 yeah. minutes? 147 yeah. minutes. So, like, he's obviously been played in All Star or Rare Pro or, you know, yeah, another. So, yeah. yeah, I think, again, that probably helps. Yeah. Completely. But, yeah, you're right. Like, the, the top the top players, like, if you look at the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. If you look at the top 10, like, only four of them, so like 40% of them have a score over 60, essentially, which mm. seems low considering. You know how how many of them are actually used yeah i think that maybe again is why we've seen outlier correlation in rare pro where the scores are still really high it's just because there's like less supply or less super as available and so the ones that have still hit have still hit really hard basically mm -hmm. people have still got in really competent teams and strong teams but yeah i do want like i wonder I wonder so where so rare go from here like where what happens when they add more challenger leagues as well because surely that is something that's going to happen like i don't know if they get scandinavia basically um yeah. or but like yeah you know or even like the championship say that comes on is fully licensed because like it's, they're on about getting the top 20 leagues in the world right i'm guessing the the championship is one of the top 20. definitely um, yeah absolutely and i think what's interesting yeah. as well is like you know i like to have a look at what to opt to cover so right. the way it works at the moment so rare is they pay for a package for certain leagues. Some leagues are in it, some leagues are not. And that's why we've seen this sort of craziness with the Europa Conference League qualifiers recently with people being like, how is team A covered and team B not? And it's basically the feats and what Opta choose to cover based on like what leagues pay them, essentially. So you can see what leagues are paying them. And you know what I understand about this recent Opta coverage in the midweeks of the Conference League is essentially Belgium Pro League didn't pay Opta any extra money to cover their qualifiers. So right. that's why Antwerp and uh, Anderlecht weren't covered. But then you see like Hapoel Belshiva is, and you're like, yep. come on, like if we're covering the best teams, like what's going on here? But, you know, essentially it's all tied into what leagues pay Opta, because that's how they choose to cover is op op like Opta receive a fee from the leagues. So they're essentially double dipping. They receive a fee from the league to cover it, and then they, they sell their data to third parties. Right. But what I find interesting is if you look at it, um, Greece is on the list, Sweden, um, you know, there's, there's Norway as well. I think we're already in Denmark, aren't we? We've got Den Denmark yes. is like with one license club. Albert. So, you know, Greece could be yeah. added to challenger realistically um norway sweden like that's you know i'm not saying that they will i don't you know that the, there's certainly you know nothing at the moment to suggest that they have licenses for those leagues but i'm just saying that in theory it is possible and obviously like you said as well the championship like the championship's an interesting one because you would end up having this scenario whereby a team would be strong 
for a maximum of 12 months and then gets promoted and dies. Yeah. So I wonder how that works as a dynamic. But you think, you know, if they were to add Olympiakos, if all they were to add Greece and you get Olympiakos, like Olympiakos, smash. Good team. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got a couple of strong teams in Sweden. Like, it keeps on adding these outliers. And I wonder, like, at what point, like, does Challenger stay Challenger or do at one point they, they have to split it? I know people have talked about the split before. Sure. But what what I sort of, you know, wonder, I remember there was a time, do you remember when, um, I think it was Portugal, um, moved ahead of France in, like, some... Right. Perfect. Like, oh, Portugal should go to champion. <laughs> and I'm like, could you imagine what that would have, what have suddenly done? Like, if you could then win Mbappe in Challenger, like, but if you demoted right. France, like, that just doesn't, that didn't make any sense. Like, for me, like, you keep, like, champion is the five leagues that champion is. Yeah. But then underneath, like, what happens? And what happens if they suddenly add a load more? And like you said, like, it, it, it's not just the additional countries, but it's the second leagues in where the countries already have, like the championship. Like, the championship could put some absolute hitters out. You know, there yeah. could be some very strong players in there. And the thing with the championship, which is also really interesting, is the amount of um, uh, matches they get. Mm. Like, you know, they're one of the biggest leagues in Europe, I think, in terms of total team size. So they're constantly um, constantly playing midweek. So then suddenly, you think of the scenario last season where uh, Feyenoord cards were super valuable because they were crushing at the weekends, they were crushing in midweek. If you pick or you, they license teams in the championship, and you suddenly got like you know a runaway team in like the championship, last year, basically. like Fulham, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like they become like the meta. But then the thing that I've always thought about it is, I was like, oh, you know, just add more prizes. But then more prizes than like that doesn't seem to be happening. Like credit to Sora for adding all of the additional side games because I think there's you know there's there's proof that there's obviously prizes there, yeah. and the side games have been a way of of you know giving more people the opportunity to win. The challenge I I think with like splitting challenger is if you take out a like league. So say for example they say you know what we're gonna we're gonna split it and the championship is going out into a new one or you know our challenger is now Belgium, Turkey, Russia, right, Netherlands for example, or they pick like the top five ranked teams. Yeah. So they've got like champion is five, challenger is five, and then whatever else is the rest. Yeah. What happens to like people that are running galleries that are maybe a bit of Belgium, a bit of Switzerland, for example, like this is the thing I think is like, if they are going to split it or they are going to do something like that, it's almost like sooner rather than later. Because the longer they leave it, the more people it's going to negatively impact. But yeah. I don't know. Like it's obviously a hypothetical, but I think it's like an interesting topic to discuss. So like, you know, where where do you stand on it? Like, would you split? If you would split, like, how would you split? Like, I think it's just a really interesting conversation mm. point. Yeah, I think I've always been in the no split camp. Like, I've always been like, abs- like absolutely not, and for a few reasons. The first reason is, what do you do? with do you have it like a like how do you split it right so do you have like a stronger teams so like say like you say like the step down the step down from champion is like a challenge europe or whatever and then it's like portugal netherlands um yeah maybe belgium and like a couple of others the ones we perceive to be the stronger leagues or they have the higher rank coefficients etc and then you have like after that you have another league which is like content people have said contender europe right so and then there's a contender europe which has like the perceived weaker leagues in the in the divisions now what do you do with prizes do you split them equally so that you can win challenger cards in contender as well or do you have them separately like we have a champion prize pool which obviously is any champion right because if you if you don't, if you have it so that you can only win the cards that the, the SO5 league you're playing in is playing, so like Contender Europe cards can only win Contender Europe cards, you drastically devalue the the price of existing Contender Europe cards, right? Ones that were in Challenger that now move to Contender because they can no longer win Talich's. They can no longer win 
you know, whoever else, Tadic, Timber, um, you know, whoever, right? The key cards in Challenge Europe, they can't win them because they can only win the lower rank coefficient teams. And, you know, they'll still be able to win good, decent prizes because, um, you know, because there's still some decent players in those leagues. And, yeah. you know, Austria might be one, right? And now the Salzburg right. players are like the pinnacle of contender Europe. But that puts a huge price, it puts a huge ceiling on their price. So you can still play them in global and in U23, yeah. etc. But your domestic or regional league, regional SO5 league, is a lot weaker in the prize pool than it was previously when there was one big challenge Europe. So the second thing is, is that it makes your existing outliers in challenge Europe that stay in challenge Europe even more powerful. The reason being is that your timbers and your touches, etc., um, say they stay in Challenge Europe and they can win themselves and, again, all the best Challenge Europe cards. Um, or, like, you know, because I'm presuming that the best Challenge Europe cards are from the upper echelon leagues and teams. I don't know if that's a correct presumption, but that's what I'm presuming. And I think it's yeah. correct. Or, like, the absolute metas from the smaller leagues. So it'll be, like, your Likovic's right. and your, you know, your GKs from um, yeah. Rev or Salzburg. Yeah. But, yeah. like, the, on the rare occasion... Like most of them are going to be your top end Dutch. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason, and then the reason that I think Timber and etc. get even more powerful is that they have a reduced pool of cards to play against now. So like now you see in Challenger, like like you say, you have so many players to compete against that Medi Taremi can go off and score a hat trick one week, or Dynamo Zagreb can keep a clean sheet one week and stick up ridiculous defensive numbers. But if you restrict it to it just being Netherlands, Portugal, Belgium, Austria, and one other, like when Ajax do hit big, it makes it so much harder to compete with them because you have a limited number of var there's limited variants, there's limited numbers of players that you can actually put against them. And the so this would kill the Celtic, yeah. it would kill the value of the Celtic cards overnight. Right. Exactly, right. Yeah, with all due respect, Scotland's not getting in. If you were to say one well, of the top yeah. five Europe outside of the top five, it's not. Like, Scotland not getting in there. Like, Celtic yeah. Rangers themselves would, but yeah. the rest of the league quality is... The league as a whole stands. But yeah, I think you could you could well be right, right? Um, so yeah, I think I've, that those have always been my reasons for not splitting it. I think you make... You devalued so many cards, and the ones that are already valuable, you make them more powerful. And you know, therefore, basically, if you're not running those cards, what chance do you actually have? You need to wait for them to have a bad week, which essentially, you know, Timber, etc., has had a bad week this week. Tyler still put up 80 odd. Um, but you need to wait for them to have a bad week, and that doesn't happen particularly often. And then when they do, you need your players to have, have done well and, and capitalized. And you know, I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm just saying it's 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 pretty difficult, right? And it makes them outliers to a point where I think. You know, that is becoming tricky. And, you know, lots of people will say, well, Josh, you're just describing the situation we had six months or a year ago, etc., and it still worked okay. And, yeah, that might be the case. But I just think now that, um, you know, with player prices as they are, the, the main drawback is that you, you you know, you devalue a lot of cards, moving them into a contender situation rather than challenger. So uh, you're now going to ask me, well, how do you do it then? And the answer I have is I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, my opinion has always been you make the prize pool bigger. Um, but I don't know, is that going to be the case? Maybe when we get new season cards, that will be the case. It looks like that's going to be pretty soon with obviously the um, headshots changing for uh, Belgium and Austria. So, you know, I'd, I'd hope that they are launched soon. That has a positive impact on the prize pool. Um, but yeah, if that isn't the case, like if, if that isn't possible or whatever, I don't, I don't really see a fairer way to do it. Um, or like a, a logistical way that that works without killing X cards. And if that's what they're going to do, if they say, you know, that we have no choice, we have to split it, the the, the region is getting too large, um, we feel like user user experience is being diminished because of that, then it, there needs to be a, a pretty big time lag on this, right? You need to say, we're doing this after the World Cup and you need to announce it now because yeah. then people aren't getting rug pulled by, oh, actually, and, you know, and and say these leagues are going staying in challenge or these leagues are going to contender because then people have an you know ample amount of time to readjust their galleries and get out you know i wouldn't want it to be like a scoring matrix change oh this is coming in next month um and then you know you get mass panic throughout the market because yeah that just uh, that just doesn't work does it but um 
yeah, I think that would be what I'd say. You know, if they are going to do it, it needs to be set out strategically and it needs to be given a good lead time so that people can prepare optimally. Um, I I still feel like they shouldn't they shouldn't do it and they should just keep it as one big league. Um, I've like if you'd asked me before this season started, I would have been much stronger on that point. I've been like, there's no way they should split challenger. Like I'm very happy with that as it is. But actually having like viewed this week's prize pool and I presume we're getting similar sort of going forwards. And if they do add more leagues, um, like I can sort of see people's opinion like people's point of view now of actually, you know, should it be split? And I think, you know, if there's a clever way to do it that I'm not seeing, um, then yeah, I'd be I'd be all for listening to it at least. Yeah, the one that I wonder about is we had the um, the DMPs in the pools recently. Yeah. And like to give a context, like I want a Pedri from that. Like Pedri was a DMP. <laughs> you know, that like and when you think of sometimes like the quality of cards that you get, like, you know, the volatility in um, like winning the league. So if you look at the last two midweeks. Like Sutolo was first price one week. Right. The next week was Santi Rodriguez of New York City, who is literally half the price. So you see these wild swings, but then at the same time, we have these like really high quality DMP cards that aren't integrated. So I do wonder like what's happening with that, because I think like it would be great, like integrating DMPs really, like if you can value them. And right. like basically the issue for me isn't that whether they're DMP or not. It's like what is the current value? Is the current value fair when you get it awarded? For example. There's always sure. going to be variance in the pool. But if like if you finish third and get a card worth like 0.01 and someone finishes 17th and gets a card worth 0.7, then like you can be annoyed. Whereas yeah. I think like as the competition increases, like they have to really like accelerate the process of getting those DMPs into the pool. As I think, or they run more specials with DMPs. If they can't, if they're not technically ready to do it, they run more specials with DMPs as they did recently, and they move some of the cards that they're using for special back into like general competition. Because if you look at it, like the the, the under twenty three pool this weekend is, is missing some like major major yeah. cards, but they've all been given out in in specials. So there's obviously a balancing act going on, and I feel that like bringing the DMPs does alleviate a lot of those concerns because I think like I was very much with you at first because like, uh, the whole talk of like splitting, like people have just been saying oh they should split challenger because it's too big now. Right. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, I was like, okay, well, you know, like, but what's the, what does it mean to be too big? Because for me, I'm thinking like, you know, I try to run it tactically, for example. So I like try to correlate a lot of my challenger gallery and under 23 gallery around Belgium. Because I know that these odd weeks where maybe like only Belgium and Turkey play, and I'm like, you know, sure, fire in a good position to absolutely smash it that week. But a lot of people that don't have the luxury of the gallery size that I do, not saying they have a depth, they will look to go for like, what can I afford? And that yeah. might be a goalkeeper and a defender from Belgium, a midfielder from Switzerland, a you know forward from Denmark. And if that scenario happens, and there's got to be a line drawn somewhere, suddenly a lot of people will be forced to have a second goalkeeper. Or they need to sell some of the players that they were running historically in Challenger. Yep. So that was my, always my negative of it. If people were like, oh, you know, you just want to not split it because you're winning. And I'm like, no, I like, I'm thinking of this logically. Like if it's split, larger galleries will be able to absorb it more because they'll be like, oh yeah, you know what? Actually, I have a bench keeper that wasn't making my starting Challenger team. And oh, he can now go into Contender and brilliant. I've got another lineup. But like most people don't have that luxury. So they would be then forced to buy more players to actually compete a lineup. I suppose the, the flip side of that is, you know, the the comments around women's football were predominantly fear of adding in complete metas mm. 
that then would like completely turn the current game dynamic upside down. Yeah. So I suppose the question here is like in those sort of other leagues, are there any teams like that that would completely turn it upside down? Like, you know, I don't think Olympiacos, Olympiacos is a good team, but they're not like so good that they would completely destroy it. I suppose the question I think about this is like, you know, playing a little bit of Ultimate Champions last season, noticing like how Toulouse completely and utterly walked the second league. Like yep. that's suppose, and then like that you use your example of Fulham earlier in the championship mm. is you might have these scenarios in like if they were to fully license a league like the championship. And then obviously the championship is already covered. So you've got people like Murich who somehow got a last man tackle yesterday. And that's, you know, we won't dive into that because I thought I'll go into a whole other conversation. You know, I was running Harwood Bellis this weekend, but they don't, you can't run full teams. You only get people that like the luck of transferring there. Um, the same with China. Like it baffles me why China is covered. Because like the quality of the league, I'm I'm always like, if we have China, why don't you have Saudi? Because like Saudi's arguably a stronger league than China. Sure. And you know, you're you're kind of catching the net of where players go to die in one area and then not in the other. But sorry, I digress. But like, you know, you think about a team in the championship. Or say they get the premiership and people are rooting for Fulham and Watford to be relegated. <laughs> like that, you know, that's yeah. Like rooting for Watford to be relegated because they thought they'd get a Koye as the championship goalkeeper. Sure. Yeah. Like if they license the Premiership and you have the championship is still covered, even if it's not fully licensed, you'll have a scenario where like people are willing players to drop down the division so they can be absolute smashes. And I think it creates an interesting dynamic. But like the other way, you know that if a Fulham smash or like you know, in France, I think like Saint Etienne or Metz this season are probably going to be the two teams that completely and absolutely smash it. Yeah, they're only going to get maximum twelve months of being like the absolute metas before they get promoted and then like regress. Yeah. So it's it's an odd one because at first I, I sort of don't know how to feel about that in that scenario where we have you know a bunch of other because like you said that like Surrey have always been very clear with they want to license the top twenty leagues. And yep. you know the championship is a top twenty league. Like there's no bones about it. Like the quality of that league compared to some of the others that are currently licensed. Like mm. championships are much better league than the CSL. Um, yeah. You know, arguably a much better league than than the K League. You know, so you know you are like you feel like there will be a time where Sarah get that, and then it's like that question of splitting, not splitting. Like I think I'm with you in the not splitting camp. But on the condition that prizes scale accordingly. And when I say scaling accordingly, I don't just mean like adding a really long tail of T3s. You're like, oh, the prizes have gone up to 400 this week. Yay. And then you look into it and like 380 of them are T3s. And you're like, yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's sort of where my head is at is like on that condition of yes, but like so the prizes scale, not so it's easy to win. But so, like, people have an incentive to remain competitive. Because, like, if you're going significantly over 400 and not getting at least a T1, then I think, you're like, people are going to get, like, they're going to lose interest. So yeah. I think that's my, that's my condition. Like, not condition, but that's my consideration around, like, the what-if scenarios of adding a bunch more leagues to Challenger is... Does the prizes scale and like like stars, for example, you know, because you like right to point out, we've got more leagues this week, yet fewer stars. That, that just doesn't make sense. It's like someone yeah, pressed the button and the generator again. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think you make I, I think you make a good point there. I don't I don't really I don't think I have the answer, mate, on how they do it fairly. Like I said, um, you know especially affecting lower budget users um with like like you say sort of having not cobbled together but having put together a team to play challenger that you know then gets ripped apart in two and at that point you know you don't have you don't have either lineup you don't have a challenger or a contender lineup or you know whatever you want to call the the other division i think again like that sort of comes down to having a long lead time on the on the decision if you want to do it um 
so yeah i do i think that like the only answer is if you are going to do it you need to announce it soon and then say it's not coming into place until after the world cup and then yeah. until then you need to try and bolster the prize pool to some point where it makes playing challenger reasonable yeah i i think i agree with you that i think like the world cup is a wonderful like line in the sand yeah to be like so rare almost want to make a bunch of decisions because like no decision is going to be universally liked by 100 of the user base no yeah like that's always going to be the case but it does feel like if they do have any other major decisions up their sleeve like scoring matrix changes it does feel that it's like you know what like we've we've launched the game we've learned from what we've done in the last couple of years to get us to the million plus users that we aspire to get to we feel that we need to do this this and this it's coming in after the world cup and like if they announce that like this month then it does give people like a couple of months to like acknowledge and prepare for that and then yeah. it's the case of like we've got that wonderful scenario where like every league is on break it comes at the end of a calendar year. Like it is the perfect opportunity to do what they need to do, or if they feel they need to do something, they might not, but it feels like that perfect opportunity to execute change should they so feel that they need to. Yeah. Um, yeah. hundred percent agree. Yeah. Well, so here's a question for you then. What league would you like to see added? I mean, I'm heavily biased. I want to see Greece added because uh, my uh, Huang Yimbaum has just gone to die at Olympiacos. So I'd quite oh, like no. a nice, uh, challenger, challenger midfielder back again. <clears throat> yeah, good question. I think I'd really like um, some of the Scandinavian leagues that play in the summer because you you know me, I do not play summer ball. So uh, I would I would like an excuse to play some summer so rare. Um, the reason I don't play, as I mentioned on last week's pod, is because I like to be able to follow games when they're live and, you know, watch my players come in, etc. And I can't do that with summer football at the minute due to time zones. But yeah, if they brought in, like, the... Is it... I think Norway play throughout the summer? All of Norway? Mm. Um, I think that's the summer league. And I'm sure there's another one in Scandinavia as well. So, yeah, I would be... I'd be pleased for sure if that was... Um, yeah, if that was the thing. Yeah, and yeah, I would. Uh, that's the league I would like most. I think, like one of the Scandinavian leagues that play for the summer, or both of them. Or I think Scandinavia is nice as well for under twenty threes because you do tend mm. to see, you know, they they do give you know a couple of the major teams. They really do give opportunities to young players. Yeah. Um, which reminds me, is Darren I? Is he still at Ajax? Has he gone back? Because there was some no, big he, strong rumors he was going back to Copenhagen. Yeah, been confirmed to Copenhagen, I believe. Is it? Uh... Yes, so one to watch there. I think I did put. Uh, I put. I did think that the transfer could happen and put a little note in our Discord, didn't I? And said he could be good there. I think his like his historic scores are okay, but um, obviously they're from like eighteen months ago now, aren't they? I think. Yeah, yeah if you have well, to look at Andreas Dreyer as an example of oh, what happened, someone goes rolling back to Scandinavia. Don't. He's actually a joke at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, it's funny because like. I remember at the time, um, one of the guys in the Discord won him, and I was like, oh, I don't really like him because his AA game is is terrible because of a midfielder card. Yeah, which is true, and it's still true in Scandinavia. But he's averaging like two and a half decisives a game yeah, at the moment. It's like his AA just doesn't really matter at all. Um, like, yeah, it's crazy. Because I think he had uh, a super as well, didn't he? Like that would have been an absolute smasher card, man. Yeah, it was a super. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's great. And I was like considering buying it, and I was like, oh no, I think point six is too much, which is what he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> it's now like, uh, what's his his rares like one east now? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good fun. <laughs> and do you think, um, um, with like the same thought process we have with Challenger? Like, obviously, I sort of alluded to it initially with, like, it's almost... Like, I think people have the issue with Challenger big being that the scores required to win in Challenger are very high because there's a vast pool of players to choose from. And therefore, there's, like, more combinations um, available of players to play, more teams entered, you know. Therefore, like, it's just a higher chance that people score more, like, that 
you know, just with variance that, you know, people score score higher points. Um, and like I alluded to initially, like it, we can see it happening in limited now, especially like in champion where people, a lot of people run similar teams, but obviously it's not like that there's loads of teams available in, in limited. It's just that the scarcity element is so relaxed that people can, you know, afford to have them initially. And then there's like enough supply available to, to have them in their lineups. So I don't know, like, do you think that we see broader changes from so rare, like across the main, um, the main like regions? Like, do you think we see like the scrap of the all-star league or champion league or whatever, and it goes to like a more permanent specialist format, um, which like requires more tactics and more like, um, patience or not like more structured to line up building or do you think they just carry on with this and this is like the way they're set now? Um, I've not actually ever thought of that before. I feel it would be very difficult for them to like remove the current formats. Right. Um, I think they will like, I like the fact they have been testing with the specialists. I think they will continue testing with the specialists. Like, yeah. You know, as a context, I have like absolutely no intention of playing All Star Limited or like the regular limited leagues, like with any degree of seriousness. But yeah, sure, I will will target the specialist and, and the underdog, and you know, have some cards to be able to do that because you know it, it just is you know like it's just become like an absolute smash fest now. So I think yeah. like like considering the alternate formats that allow people on a lower budget to play is important. I think you also have to consider like, you know, a lot of people have invested to build teams to compete at the highest level in the current format. So that could end up, you know, causing significant unnecessary pain to a lot of user base. If you just say, oh, by the way, you know, we've canned X division, X division. Right? Mm. which I don't think they would do that. I don't think there's any reason to do that. I think increasing the prevalence of special tournaments is an important way of giving people a, a stepping stone onto the ladder of whatever region they wish to pay for. I suppose the question is like, how do the composition of those regions change? You know, we've talked about for a long, you know, we've talked at length about, you know, Challenger and what Challenger leagues they could have had. Opta also cover Saudi Arabia and Australia. I, you know, you talked about, and I guess this doesn't actually help with time zones, but one barrier I've heard in the past around not playing Asia is English language. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, obviously, Saudi doesn't resolve that, but Australia could. Saudi is actually, um, a winter league just because of the heat so it would run in like you know asia it would give you an asia option when japan and korea aren't playing um the same with australia and there would be some overlap so you know I, what i do wonder is about thinking about the composition of the current leagues and how that adds an extra dimension to the gameplay because you think like i Quite, get quite excited when they add a new league because it allows you to go out and scout and find the players that you know sort of give you the edge and give you the opportunity. Like I loved it when Austria was added. I was like, yeah. brilliant! Like, it was great fun. Like, I can go and like scout some new players. So the, the, I think that that's an important consideration is around what they could add because when you look at it, you know, you sort of say, arguably, why have you added Peru and not Saudi? Like. A lot of people like Saudi. The, the strength of the teams in Saudi now, so they've got some very good players there. Like it's it's a very like Saudi is incredibly popular. Like football is incredibly popular there, and they've got a lot of money because a lot of the club, a lot of the clubs are owned by various different government entities. Yep. So you think about the strength of the league and actually like the product that's on offer. They have some incredible players. Australia is you know they've obviously got Melbourne City who you know are. Are, are very well funded um the rest of the league i don't know but i definitely put like i put the a league on par with k league so you can ask the question there of like if that league is covered then why is not this one the one that just baffles me completely is china like china like it's not a good league 
Like it's yeah. really not. Like it, it was. They tried to make it a good league, and then they got bored, and everyone ran out of money, and they stopped funding the teams, and now it's like really a terrible league. Yet it's still covered. But the thing that I find really interesting about it, and I, I don't know whether this is just me being a bit of a geek and like thinking of all the possible scenarios, is I think about Sora's revenue, and I think about like people are naturally put the brakes on. Like this is kind of a joke now, isn't it? Really, like people are like, oh no, players going to go to Saudi. And you look at what happened with like Theo Bongonda's price. The moment there was a sniff of him going to the UAE, yeah. which I, for reference is not in Saudi, but half of the Sora user base thought it was, and uh, and but were very very quick to dump him. If these leagues were covered from an Optus, like they're covered from an Optus standpoint, like Sora could score them if they wanted to, if they paid sure. to upgrade the package. The amount of players that go there each season. How does Sora's revenue indirectly increase with people more comfortable to buy players, knowing that there's one less destination that they could go and be unscored? Like it's a really like left field way of thinking about it. But like if you yeah. would think, if like I would almost feel from Sora's perspective, tactically covering Saudi, Greece. I'm trying to think where else. Like it's, Saudi and Greece are probably the two that really like take the most people each season and go like oh no um suddenly everyone in the Sura community has a, a little bit more confidence that if they invest in a player they will be able to utilize them even in the scenario of a transfer yeah. so in that sense i'm really pro more leagues being added mm. because of that element of if you're making an investment like obviously if an injury happens then you know that's just really really unlucky but to have a player like transfer and you basically got the lottery of like if they go here it's okay if they go there it's not okay if Sora minimize that then suddenly i think their revenue increases like indirectly through auctions because people like you know the race sole goalkeeper like it was widely known that the race goalkeeper was going to to Saudi, but Sora was still auctioning him as long as he was still a race sole player. Yeah. But his auction price completely fell off the cliff. But if if like Saudi was covered, then you know his auction price probably remains the same, like while he's still a race sole player, because oh okay, he's he's just gone to another league. I could still use him in global if I wanted to. Yeah. So I think like that's like a really like you've not just got the competitive element to this of like what does it do to the level of competition, but also like what does it do to your gallery in terms of giving you a almost like a, a soft level of security that you won't like spend you know seven hundred euros on a player and then like he gets a summer transfer to somewhat uncovered because I think if you were to logically go through the countries that are covered and the countries that are not like why Peru and China and not Sweden and Greece, for example, like if you were to actually rank them in terms of like any coefficient of like, what are the world's best leagues? Some of the ones that are covered, like Colombia's covered. Yeah. Well, I don't think we have any licensed teams there, but it's in the Opta package. Like mm. it's just wild. Like it basically feels like Sora had ad, like signed an Opta package, and Opta went, "Yeah, China's in there." Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it feels like there needs to be some real thought around like what is covered and what isn't covered because you've got this sort of odd lottery of like a player could be linked to three clubs, and one's like they become amazing. Two of them's like eh, okay, and then the other ones like oh well, they're just going to get like useless now. So right. I think like when you think about the league coverage, I think about it in those two ways of increased competition, but then also insurance. I know it sounds weird to think about it that way, but I, I, I yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, and I think I wonder if so we'd take more of a view on that if and when they turn on taking a percentage of the secondary market. Yes, um, I agree. Like you know. You send, if they're taking a cut of the secondary market, I was looking at bon, Bongonda's price graph, as you mentioned, like he goes from 0.35 to 0.05. Um, and obviously, if Sora are taking a cut of this transaction, that's for his rare, you know, if, if they're taking a cut of these transactions, then, you know, they're going to 
they're going to care more about it, aren't they? You know, it's all right auctioning one card a week, but if you suddenly got how many transactions are here? 20, 30? Yeah. If you suddenly got 30 transactions that go through in a day and it goes down by what? I don't even know how much that is. 90%. Yeah, mm-hmm. 90%. The pro- You know, then, you know, that is hurting so you know directly you know how much extra have they got to pay for these additional leagues if they're mm-hmm. charging the secondary market i'd say that it would be a net gain for them basically to yeah, just have as many leagues covered as possible yeah um, I, I agree with you but then again it's, it, it comes back to that point of like you know creating that sort of structure around it like what is that structure and i, and I feel yeah. like when we talk about like major changes um that transaction fee is is another one like the, I feel the interesting thing here is like introducing the transaction fee and explaining like what happens as a result of it. Like if yeah. they were to say, you know what, we're adding in a transaction fee on the secondary market, it's like 0.5% of, of your you know transaction. But with the revenue we generate from that, we are going to cover X, Y, and Z league to help protect your investment. We're also going to increase price pools by Y. Like yeah. that's like a really reasonable, valid trade-off, and the company is, you know, helping to ensure their long-term stability. Like I would be all, like I would literally have zero issue with yeah, adding in a, a secondary thing. Like literally none. Um, yeah. but I think like there will be some fr- friction within the wider community. But I think like if you are explaining that, then it really helps and honestly like i would absolutely love to have like minimized like chances of my players value going mm. to zero yeah. like and, and that's where like saudi comes in um you know yeah i just think it's a really interesting point and i think like you've really summarized it well in saying like that world cup is that opportunity to to change the cup, thing or change things yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely um yeah so anyway, we're gonna get a bunch of comments on the back of this being like, is Saudi being covered, mate? What do you know? <laughs> um Saudi is, as far as I know is not being covered. I think I have like two players that are in Saudi. So if it does get covered, I would be happy. But you know, let's go for Greece. If anyone that's so rare licensed team is listening to this, please give us Greece and Scandinavia. I just had one of my players, Peter Filipovic, who was at last last year, go to AEL Limassol today. I Ooh, don't even know where they are. There you go. So yeah, can we <laughs> you're reaching, you're reaching to get Cyprus out <laughs> anytime soon. Um, hang on, I'm, I'm just going to go and check the Opta feeds. Yeah, no, no Cyprus isn't in there. <laughs> oh dear. What a um, shame. Oddly, Poland is though. That's Poland another good one. Yeah, wouldn't mind Poland. Ligia Warsaw. Ligia Warsaw. Yeah. Another challenge league there. Look. Wow, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm just having a look. So, yeah, the ones, so Australia, I like just looking at a couple Australia, Poland, Saudi, Greece, Norway, Sweden, Slovakia, oddly. Um, Ecuador, they've now covered. Yeah. Um, yeah. If anyone from the licensing team or Soros commercial team is listening, like you know, we've just mapped out. Get on it, lads. Soften the blow of that that secondary market fee with a couple of extra licenses. And uh, I was saying that, like, could you imagine, like, if they cover Saudi, Pavel makes bank. Oh, like, you just need to like just charge a secondary fee on Pavel and, and cover mm. cover Saudi. Yeah, it would be mental. To be fair, I wonder how many cards he has. From, I don't even, I've lost track. I, to be honest, it's going to take me too long. My computer will not load his gallery fast enough to to check in a reasonable <laughs> time frame. Okay, all right. I will. While you're, well, I'll let you. I'll let you jump in. I'm going to go and check how many Saudi cards Pavel has. <laughs> I, I, oh, I'm. I'm going to say, if we include limiteds, I reckon he has two hundred. Actually, maybe I think probably more. I reckon he has like 300 Saudi cards. I'm gonna say, which is like more than most people's galleries, which is seems yeah, maybe that's too many. I don't actually know how. Why can't I look no. at managers on Sura Data? By the way, can you look he's at managers? Got, he's only got 200 only. Okay, nice yeah. one. Only 
He's got he's got a ton of uh, Adam Adam Maher. He was a recent. Has he? Yeah, he was a recent Sorry. death for sure. Alex Valera as well. He was one of the ones. It was it. He was in Peru, wasn't he? He was a great one in Peru, and then he went to Saudi this summer. Yes. The another one that I know he has lots of, and he has the unique, I think, is Constantos uh, Manolas from Olympiacos now. Oh, yeah, Manolas would be good, actually, wouldn't he? Oh, here, yeah. here's the race goalkeeper. I forgot his name earlier. Kim Sung-Kyu. Right, the one that yes. Um, I remember him. Yeah. Yeah, this, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, there are, there are quite a few leagues that they could... Could cover, and yeah, I just wonder like what what else they would do, and if they if they would add anything anytime soon, because yeah. you know there's always been that like statement, and I think like whenever that's like you know the question of are you going to cover the Premier League, it's always responded to with we are striving to add the top yeah. twenty leagues. <laughs> um, you know, I wonder how many survey managers have actually looked at like what those top twenty leagues are and and understood like which of the which like could feasibly be covered. Um because you know it's like SofaScore, for example, like SofaScore used the Opta feeds. So you can go and have a look and you can see like what is covered. So, you know, not only are those sort of countries that we talked about earlier covered, but then you've got the second leagues and all the major ones as well. So there's right. there's a bunch of leagues that you know, Sarah could add overnight if they wanted to. Like Opta has the has the data. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like you, you like what you made sense that like you made a really good point there of like it makes infinitely more commercial sense for them if they've got a secondary fee because they do have to pay for it. And Opta is not cheap. Like Opta charge a fortune for a fairly substandard product, but they do charge a fortune. Um, <laughs> so it's probably. Like it. Yeah, absolutely. It is probably looked at like from a server perspective. It's you know adding incrementally adding leagues. Every league they add is going to they're going to charge them something. So right. you know it probably looks as like a cost center at the moment with regards to oh you know if we add a league without having a licensed club, whereas if there is a secondary market fee, it suddenly changes that because yeah. you know like if they were to say we're covering Saudi, like there are tons of players that prices. Like some of them could even 10x overnight. Like yeah. what does what does Adam Meher do? Like guy who was like decent in, in Holland, what does yeah. he do in Saudi? Um who is it Medran as well? The guy that was decent in yeah. MLS went to Saudi. Yeah, Medran. Like there's there's a like there would be a bunch of players that like people would pile into very quickly in that scenario. Mm. Yep. But, yeah. Well, there we go. A a, a podcast full of of speculation absolute and, speculation and theory. <laughs> for two guys that are normally hot on the numbers this has been you know this has been like you know, yeah foil hat territory hasn't it like yeah straight, straight. <laughs> yeah i think it's i hope it's been a good listen though i think to summarize like i don't see a decent way for them to split challenge europe that makes sense for the platform currently if they are going to do it, and there is some way that I don't see, there needs to be like a long lead time on what they want to do. And I think it is interesting to speculate over the future of the limited divisions um, in terms of like where, where what Soro are going to do with like your All-Star and your Challenger and your Champion regions. Like I could see limited becoming much more of like a specialist only region when, because like soon you are going to need 520 points to like be winning the division in limited which just because of the amount of cards that will be available which just seems absolutely ludicrous so i don't know like i i think it's i think it's interesting to speculate over where they go with that and how that if they do add more specialists slash underdogs slash special leagues which nicholas hinted on uh, the nellis podcast i think that that was going to happen like what that does to exist in prize pools maybe not even just at a limited level but you know if they're doing more of these tournaments for rare and super etc what does that do to your traditional prize pools because there's only a finite number of prizes isn't there? so yeah i think yeah podcast full of speculation but um i think it's interesting to speculate and you know think about what might happen absolutely yeah no i agree with you i think it's um 
important to consider the what if scenarios and you know be prepared um, if they do happen but yeah i hope everyone has taken something uh from today even if it was just a sneak preview of what opt to do cover so um thank you ever so much for tuning in and see you next time